0: To God be the glory, great things He have done.
1: A few pages. Number 23, Thou art worthy, Thou art worthy, Thou art worthy, O oh Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. Number 23, let's sing out on that little chorus. Please see to take your copy of God's Word and find the book of Psalms, please. And go ahead and find Psalm 39, if you would, Psalm 39. Billy Graham said that he was once speaking at a university, and after he spoke, there was a time given for the students to ask questions. And you know, you never know what kind of questions you might get at a university when you open it up and, and give an open mic. And he said that one student asked a question... Uh, that he would never forget. The student asked Billy Graham this question, what has been the greatest surprise of your life? What has been the greatest surprise of your life? Think about that. If I were to ask you that question, what has been the greatest surprise of your life, what would you say? Well, you might be surprised by Billy Graham's answer. He said, and I quote, almost without thinking, I replied, the brevity of life. The brevity of life. Life is short. It goes by quick. Have you found that to be true? You know, it probably depends upon your age. Perhaps you remember the old poem, it goes like this When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I waxed more bold, time strolled. When I became a full grown man, time ran. When older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in passing on time gone. My boys like to remind me that I was born in the
0: 1900s.
1: (laughs) And lately that sounds pretty old to say you were born in the 1900s. We're in 2020. Can you believe it? I was telling someone right before the service, I remember we just turned 2000 and now we're at 2020. And uh, we were worried about uh, Y2K. Do you remember that? Those of you that were around back then and all the computers resetting and there being havoc and I don't know if we had anybody prepping in here or not, but now we find ourselves removed from that in 2020, a new year and a new decade. And there's something exciting about a new year. I love a new year. Uh, There's something exciting, especially about a new decade. And um, how do we get the most out of this blank calendar that's before us? Well, I want to share with you this morning some biblical wisdom for the new decade. Some biblical wisdom for the new decade. And I'm going to go ahead and let you know what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you three important statements. And then at the end, I'm going to give you three important questions. Three important statements and three important questions. Now, remember, this is biblical wisdom for the new decade. So you've got your copy of the Bible. You're there in Psalm 39, I hope, by now. And what we need is not man's opinion, not man's thoughts, not man's ideas. We need God's Word for this decade, for this new year. And we find it this morning, Psalm 39. I want to look at verses 4 through 7. I'll read them first in the New King James, and I'm going to read them again in the New Living Translation. So you can hear them twice and hear the full emphasis. Psalm 39, verses 4 through 7. Lord, make me to know my end what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor, Selah. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Now listen to it in the NLT. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath, Interlude. We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Biblical wisdom for the new year and the new decade. Important statement number one. You're going to die. Now, someone's in the back today may be thinking, well, I'm going to get back in church and I came to church for the first time in a long time and come and here's this God telling me I'm going to die. Well, listen, I'm not trying to be unkind. In fact, I'd be unkind if I failed to remind you of this truth. One person put it this way. It's too bad that dying is the last thing we do because it could teach us so much about living But the truth of the matter is we don't have to wait until we die to learn the truth. Unless Jesus comes for us first, every person in this room is going to die. But we don't have to wait to our deathbed to allow death to teach us some very important things. These verses remind us of how frail we are. I love how David prays. Look at verse 4 again. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail... I am. How frail I am. You know, beloved, it doesn't take much to bring us down. Did you realize that? It doesn't take much. I was reminded of this. You know, as we've been renovating over at the Parsonage, we had to move out of the master bathroom into the other bathroom. And as we were packing up everything, I packed up all the things that I need to to keep myself going and look halfway presentable. I put them all in this little basket. Allergy meds and toothpaste and toothbrush and the like. And I have it all in the basket, and I have my basket there. And then I said to my wife, I took out another container, and I told Danielle as I put things in that, this is all the backup stuff that I might need in case something else happens. And we both laughed about it. I have my basket of stuff I use all the time, and then I had to make a backup basket because I'm frail. And I may need some of that stuff at some point. I did not want to get it lost in the shuffle. And think about all the things it takes just to keep us going and just keep us halfway presentable and just halfway moving at times. Why? Because we are frail, we're fragile. And as we age, for many it grows worse and worse. But regardless of our health, even if we enjoy robust health and we are vigorous, life is still short. And David prays here to the Lord that the Lord would help him to measure his days, to realize the brevity of life. He compares it to a hand breadth. That is the width of a man's hand, the width of your hand. Look at that. That's a representation of the length of your life. The Bible says that our life is but a vapor. It's smoke that appears for a second or two and then vanishes away. And if we we'll remember this, That life is short and that life is flying by. It will help us to get everything we can out of this new year and this new decade. Uh, The fact of death should not cripple us as believers. In fact, it should really help us to clarify some things in our life. I'm told that the emperors of Constantinople, I love saying that word, uh, in their inauguration, on their coronation days, they would have a stonemason come. Now remember, it's coronation days. They would have a stonemason come and show them several marble stones and ask them to choose which one would be used for their gravestone. On their highest day, they were reminded that life is short and death is sure and death is coming. And beloved, if we're going to use... And live wisely in 2020 and beyond. We dare not waste our life. We dare not waste our time. Because we're going to die. And we have but a short time left. And so we better have some clarity because of that. We better come before the Lord and really seek Him. And and find out exactly what it is He wants us to do. And use the time that He's given us for His glory. The Bible says it this way, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And believe me, there's a lot of things we can waste our time on, but when we waste our time, we waste our life because time is what our life is made of. So important statement number one, biblical wisdom for the new decade, you're going to die. It may not be this decade. But at some point, unless Jesus returns first, you're going to die. I'm going to die. There's coming a day where we're going to have a celebration about your life. So don't dare waste it. Important statement number two. Right from this passage, we're reminded of this truth. Money isn't everything. Money isn't everything. Look again at the passage. This time look at verse 6. Money isn't everything. Look at verse 6. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. NLT. It says we heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. Now, it's true that money is necessary for life. We have to have money to live. Um, but money is not nearly as important as some people make it out to be. What I mean is, some people give their lives, their whole life, to making money. Making it, and saving it, and investing it, and spending it, and keeping it. And they heap it up, as the passage says here, but then they die. And guess what? They leave it, All behind. Maybe you heard the story about the very wealthy man who died. And someone said, well, how much did he leave behind? And someone said, all of it. All of it. And when you leave it behind, you have no control over how it's spent. It says there, he heaps up riches, does not know who will gather them. You say, well, I can can kind of set it aside or I can give it here or there. Yeah, but you still have no control ultimately on how it is spent. After you're gone. Now there's nothing sinful about having money. But it is sinful if money has you. When it becomes an idol. When life becomes about money. And making money becomes a God in our lives. We're guilty of idolatry. And so many people their whole life. Is geared toward making money. And their whole measure of success. Is all about money and a number. And ultimately, they waste their life. You see, money and resources are a gift from God. And we're to honor God with them. And we're to use them. And so much could be said about this. And we've done series on money here. And yes, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. And if God has blessed you with wealth, God bless you. Use it for His glory. And if God gives you the ability to make lots of money, make lots of money. But do it in a right way. Do it for God's glory. Do it for kingdom work. We could talk about this morning tithes and offerings and grace giving and needs versus wants and saving and investing. And the Bible talks about all of that. And I would encourage you to search the Scriptures concerning that. And many of you are investing money even in this local body and we're using that money to further the kingdom of God. But the point that I'm making this morning and the overall point of this passage is the fact that it's foolish to give your life to something that you're going to leave behind. How foolish to give your life, all of your time, your effort, your energy toward money and stuff when you realize you're going to die and leave it all behind. Money isn't everything. Yes, you've got to have it. Yes, you've got to have it to live. Yes, it's easier when you do have it and you can enjoy life with it. But the truth of the matter is, overall, we're to honor God with our money and our resources, can I just tell you and remind you, people are more important than money. Relationships are more important than money. Think about how many relationships, how many families, how many people are broken apart. Why? Because of money. Because of stuff. Because of things that are going to burn up. God is more important than money. I wish people would hear me say that. God is more important than money. We need to learn what is really valuable in life. And if you're going to live this decade for the glory of God, you need to learn what's really valuable, what's really important in life. And can I just tell you, money is not at the top of the list. God is, and others are. By the way, can I just remind you that time is more valuable than money? Did you know that? You see, you can make more money You can lose money, you can make more money. You can spend it, you can make more money. But time, once time is gone, it's gone forever. You'll have to give an account for it. But you can't buy more of it. And so realize that money is not everything. That's an important truth. The Scripture talks about it for the new decade. You ready for the important statement number three? Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. Look back at the passage this time, verse 7. He just talked about life being short. He just talked about money being heaped up, but leaving it all behind and somebody else spending it. And he comes down to verse 7 and he says this, And now, Lord, what do I wait for? What do I wait for? My hope is in you. Jesus is our only hope, beloved. Without Jesus, we are sunk. That's true when it comes to where we're going to spend eternity. Um, there's only one way to heaven. Jesus Christ. I was so tickled down and I taught the youth this morning. And we're talking about testimony. We're looking at the Apostle Paul standing before King Agrippa and Festus. And we're talking about the defense that he gave and about our testimonies and about you, you can't really refute a change of life. And I brought up uh, a verse and I reminded them that it was a memory verse that we had from years ago in Vacation Bible School. And we really hammered this verse and drove it into them. And I, I started it and, praise the Lord, they started finishing the verse. And it tickled me pink. It was John fourteen six, where it says, I am, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me or through me. And that's true. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's our only hope. And as we stand here on the cusp of this new year and this new decade, the wisest thing you can do, if you haven't already, is to give your life to Jesus Christ. To realize that you are a sinner. You've done wrong things. The sin in your life separates you from a holy God. But God loves you. Jesus came for you. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He laid down His life on that cross. He was buried. He rose again victorious. And the Bible says if He'll turn from your sin and put your trust, your faith totally in Jesus, He'll save you, forgive you, make you an heir, and join heir with Himself. He will give you a home in heaven. He'll clean you from all your sins, give you a peace, a hope, and a future and a joy that you've never known before. Because Jesus is our only hope. And if you've never met Him today, I encourage you, please, please come to faith in Christ. But listen, that statement is not just concerning our salvation. Can I just tell you, when it comes to everyday life, Jesus is our only hope. You see, if we're going to spend our life for what really matters, if we're going to live for what really matters, if we're going to impact eternity, if we're going to fulfill the purpose for which we were created, our only hope is Jesus, because without him we're sunk. Without Him, we can't make it. We need Him every day. The hymn writer was right when they said these words. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Listen, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousands beside. You remember how it goes? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Jesus is our only hope. And we need Him every day of our life. Now, I've given you three important statements. Biblical truth. But now I want to give you quickly three important questions. And I base these upon what we just learned. We're going to die. Money isn't everything. And Jesus is our only hope. And these three questions, you can use them to see where you are. And by the way, you can ask these questions of yourself. Not just today. You can use them every day. You can use them every week. You can use them every month. You can use them every year. Really, they're appropriate any time. There's no expiration date on them. But they're clarifying questions. They're questions that will help you to really assess your life and see where you are. And I want you to prayerfully and honestly ask these questions of yourself. So let me give them to you. Three important questions. Number one, how is my relationship with God? How is my relationship with God? How would you answer that if we were sitting down over a maybe a soft drink and just talking? And I were to say to you, "How's your relationship with the Lord?" That's a question that might be hard. It might be convicting, might be comforting, might be a mixed response. Now, I'm talking to Christians as I say this, so eternity is settled the moment you trust Christ. Well, what about the relationship? And notice I didn't say, are you going to church or are you giving? No, I said, how is your relationship with God? Because all the other stuff flows out of the relationship. We're here today worshiping God because we love God. We give because we love God. We share our faith because we love God. But really, how is your relationship with the Lord? I mean, life is busy and lots of things are going on. And I just wonder, how is your relationship with God? Second question How is my relationship with others? How is your relationship if you're married with your spouse? If you have kids, what about the relationship with your kids? Grandkids, extended family, friends, co workers, schoolmates, neighbors. How is your relationship? Remember, people are more important than money and stuff. How are your relationships? And then third, how am I spending my life? I mean, when you're really honest about it, what are you doing with your life? I mean, are you spending on that which is important? Are you wasting it away? Are you frittering it away? I mean, because we said, right, that life is short. How am I spending my life? Now imagine if you were to take those three questions and use them on a weekly basis. Maybe this week, ask them of yourself each day and really be honest before God, and then maybe move maybe to a weekly basis after that or a monthly basis. And really just do a quick assessment, a quick review. Because, you know, have you found life is, life is busy, isn't it? And there's a lot pressing on you and pushing and, and pulling on you. And I understand that. I live there too. And if we're not careful, life will just kind of sweep us along like a mighty rushing river. And we get to the end and realize we've got a lot of regrets. Because we didn't build our relationship with God. And we didn't build our relationship with others. And we didn't spend our life on that, which really mattered. See, the great news, beloved, is no matter where you are as far as age or stage of life, you're still here. And you're still living. And you can begin again today. And you can begin a relationship with the Lord and grow close to Him. And you can, you can mend some relationships As he helps you with others. And you can reorient your life to that which really matters. You see, beloved, for the child of God, the best is yet to come. Yes, we're going to die. But after that, eternity with Jesus. We pick that as our motto as we celebrate our church anniversary in 2020, we picked this as our motto. The best is yet to come. And really, that's a statement of faith. And I want to explain it to you before we pray. When we say the best is yet to come, it's a statement of faith. We're believing God that the best days of Red Hill Baptist Church are not behind us. They're ahead of us. As we keep growing and going and walking with God, the best is yet to come. But it's not just a statement of faith concerning our church. It's also a statement of fact. Because for a believer, the best is yet to come. Why? Well, when our day to die comes, or if Jesus comes for us first in the rapture, we get to spend eternity forever with the Lord. And the longer I live, the more I long for Jesus to come again. To set all things right, To wipe away all tears from our eyes. To restore everything to perfection for His glory. We're only five days into the new year. We're only five days into the new decade. We have not even finished out the fifth day. I pray that you'll recognize and accept these facts today. You're going to die. Money isn't everything, but Jesus is our only hope. And if we'll live with those three realities, beloved, we truly can have a blessed new year and new decade for the glory of God. And regardless of whether we make it all the way through the decade or not, child of God, listen, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in your presence. We thank you for the gift of life, for the gift of money and resources, for the gift of time, for the gift of relationships. And Lord, we know that in our life, all these things can be used and managed for your glory. Help us to live for what really matters and life to live for you. As Jesus told us, we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. I pray today, if anybody here does not know Christ, that this would be the moment as your Holy Spirit works in their life where they come to setting faith in Christ. And then, Lord, would you help us as believers to really be honest with ourselves, to really ask these hard questions and allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on anything that's not right and then, Lord, to correct it and walk on in victory. Thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come, that heaven awaits us, But Lord, we do pray until that time that as believers and as a church family that things continue to go better as we grow more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, the altar is open if you would like to come and pray. Jesus paid it all, 249. The altar is open. You come as God leads you. 2.49, let's stand together. Jesus paid it off.